And then, you know, I, I post and I go inside, we have a date. And the date is fine, but I get home and then I was getting these DMs of, hey, I'm a reporter from the New York Post, I want to interview you. Hey everybody, you're listening to episode 11 of Can't Heed. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Here we highlight people that are building unique brands at the intersection of sustainability and nostalgia. I'm Michael Slater, a vintage reseller and content creator based in DFW, Texas. Now, before I introduce today's guest, I want to mention here at the top that it would really help the show if you could leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you found these episodes to be at all helpful to your reselling journey, why not let us know with five stars? Apple has the added option to write a review if you have a little extra time. These ratings and reviews will really allow us to take the podcast to the next level. Okay, that's my shameless plug for today. (laughs) On this episode, I sat down with Amber of Arbitrage with Amber. What I like about Amber is that she's a very well-rounded reseller and she puts out a lot of content that has the goal of helping and educating other resellers. If you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know that that is what we are all about. She also has a very interesting approach to her Instagram stories and reels, which is basically to just be really vulnerable and honest about her life. This strategy led to her going viral recently, so we cover what that was like for her. But we also talk about an underrated platform that she uses more than any other, how to source based on the current trends, her experience thrifting in other countries, and a whole lot more. As a reseller who almost exclusively focuses on vintage, I learned a ton from this conversation and I left it feeling genuinely motivated. I think you will too. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Arbitrage with Amber. You're based in Iowa, right? Yep. So what is the claim to fame of Iowa? Like, where do you send someone who is visiting for the first time? If you're visiting for the first time, I would suggest someone plan their trip to the Iowa State Fair, which is this huge 10-day event in the middle of August. And, you know, you get the farmers with just like, the craziest stuff like who can grow the tallest stock of corn or raise the biggest yes. pig <laughs> or grow the largest pumpkin um and all sorts of like crazy food so that is definitely where i would go this year i tried pickled beer for the first time i personally would not recommend <laughs> but i would recommend the fair that's awesome yeah i'm in texas and our state fair is like insane we moved here from virginia we thought it was crazy in Virginia and then we moved to Texas and we we're like, oh, okay, like <laughs> Virginia does not hold a candle to the Texas State Fair. But I'd imagine that in the Midwest where it's like agriculture is big and 
all the corn and everything. I'm sure like y'all state fair is crazy. <laughs> oh yes. And they, there's a law in Iowa that schools are not allowed to start until the state fair is over. Oh wow. Because like wild. school would start and all these farm kids would have to like either miss school to go like show their pigs sure. and sheep at the fair or like they couldn't show them because they had school. So we take it seriously here. <laughs> That's really cool. So just to kind of set the stage a little bit, tell me who you are, um, what you sell and what platforms you sell stuff on. Perfect. Yep. I'm Amber of Arbitrage with Amber and I've been a reseller for about three years. So I do mainly clothing at this point on Facebook Marketplace, Poshmark, and then a little bit Mercari. I've dabbled in pretty much everything at this point, but that's kind of my go-tos at this point. And I really enjoy a good fast flip. So, you know, things that are trendy in season, that's kind of what I go for. But I also sell a lot of Patagonia and I've kind of become an expert at that (laughs) to the point where people are in my DMs, like asking me to authenticate things and... I'm going to have to start charging for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no yeah. free uh, knowledge there. But I made a YouTube video on it. If anyone listening is thinking about, they found a Patagonia, they're not sure, you can check it out for free. I saw that you did the YouTube video and I also saw that you had uh, like a blog post for it. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of smart because <laughs> I'm sure you've been yeah. like inundated. Um, I followed you for a little bit on on social and like, I've noticed too that you're like the Patagonia queen. You have all these like crazy rare patterns uh, that come in. So obviously we want people to go watch the YouTube video, read the blog post, but is there any kind of like teaser you can give? Like what's the craziest pattern that's out there? Oh, there are, there are some that I have never even seen in person that I cannot imagine. Um, But there's a lot of like vintage discontinued patterns But I found some crazy ones where I don't even know all of them at this point. Like I've seen so many and I source a lot online. So when Mm -hmm. I'm scrolling through Patagonia listings and I see a pattern that I've never seen before, at this point, I'm like, that's going to be worth some money because, you know, I've seen so many and I haven't seen that one. But I have one right now that I think is from like 1990. And it's like the only one that I've seen for sale. But I looked at an eBay listing and someone sold it for like, $200, $300. And I think I paid like 35. So I'm like, I got to wear this a few few (laughs) seasons before I can sell it. Yeah, exactly. I've seen that picture of you like with the mushroom one, which I think is a really cool one. Yeah. And people have started using that photo on their Poshmark listings for that Patagonia, which is kind of crazy. (laughs) I'm like, I should have watermarked it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I I really like finding Patagonia and I like that, like the tag, you can really easily identify the season and the year. It's like, it makes it so much easier, like to kind of get into because especially with vintage, like that's kind of what I specialize in. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot harder to date things uh, if the date's not stamped on the graphic. But I like that Patagonia has like always been very organized and like you can like go online to their old catalogs and find like even the most obscure pieces like they have somewhere online (laughs) so i think that that makes it a little more accessible for people to kind of get into the patagonia reselling it's probably why it's so popular (laughs) and why you've kind of been inundated with those questions 
You mentioned selling on Facebook, and I feel like a lot of resellers don't really see Facebook as being like a viable platform, but Mm -hmm. it seems like it works really well for you. So what can you tell us about selling on Facebook? If you just want to give an overview of that. Yeah. So what I love about Facebook, most importantly, is that it has much lower fees than, you know, Poshmark or Mercari. Facebook's fees are roughly 5%, but the way they calculate it, it's a little weird. So it ends up being a little higher than 5%, but nowhere near Poshmark's 20%. So for me, that means I list my items lower on Facebook than I would on Poshmark. And, you know, if you're someone out there searching for stuff online, you know, many people do search multiple platforms and they're like, oh, it's cheapest on Facebook. I'll buy it there. So I think at this point, my real key to success on Facebook is that I have so many reviews that people know that they can trust me as a seller. Whereas I think for a lot of people getting started, you know, they're like, well, I listed a bunch of stuff and it's not selling you know, you can kind of get around this. You can have your friends buy something locally and Mm. leave a review for you. I said that with air quotes for anyone listening. (laughs) Um, So that you can at least like get a review out there instead of like having zero feedback. That's smart. Yeah, that's kind of a little bit on Facebook. I do have YouTube videos going a little bit more in depth on that. But the one thing that is an issue is that their customer support is very or mm-hmm. um, you will ask questions and they will send you help articles and you'll be like, that's not what I need. <laughs> not even relevant to what I asked, but okay. <laughs> I think I know more than some of their support staff. Sure. But, you know, that extra money that you're making with the lower fees, mm-hmm. I consider that to be like my in- insurance policy against, you know, any any cases that are open where people are like, oh, my item didn't arrive or anything. Because you kind of have to talk with them instead of right. you know getting support involved but facebook does have this issue where people can receive their item file a claim with facebook get a refund and keep the item oh, without wow. the seller even like getting a notification which is kind of an issue they probably need to fix that and <laughs> i'm always hesitant to bring that up because i never want to like give people the idea to do that oh yeah sure but it is something they probably need to work on. But they are, you know, making changes. They previously had an issue where if someone gave me a bad review or anyone in general, if someone gave a seller a bad review, you could block that person and the review would disappear, which becomes incredibly dangerous if people are like, oh, this person's a scammer and like their products are oh. not authentic, but they're getting rid of all these bad reviews. So luckily they fixed that. Um, so, you know, they are like making changes, but it is kind of slow at times. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's kind of a bit of a trade-off because I don't sell on Poshmark with vintage. It, I've never really seen it doing well there, but I know that the fees are crazy. uh, 20%. It seems like, like you said, you're kind of sacrificing that extra income for, like the bad support and kind of them still, it sounds like they still need to work out a lot of the kinks. Yeah. But on the other hand, and I think this is something you said in your video, it's like they have a larger user base than any other platform because they have everybody. I mean, not everyone in the world, but uh, there's a lot more of a, of a base there to pull from uh, a lot more money to go around, but maybe Mm -hmm. 
there might be a little more uh, hurdles to jump through as a seller. Right. So a lot of the people that are probably listening to this, um, avid thrifters, but they're probably more focused on just picking up vintage. I know you do vintage too. um, And I've seen that in your videos, but it seems like you have a little bit more of a holistic approach to just like anything that's secondhand that, like you said, it's in season, it's in fashion, you're going to pick it up and flip it. So what advice could you give to someone that's trying to kind of broaden their horizons in that way and maybe pick up some stuff that's not 20 years old, but it's five years old or 10 years old? What what should they be looking for? Yeah. So I like doing what I call running cheap experiments where, you know, I'll pick up something really cheap. Um, and that's usually at like the Goodwill outlet or a garage sale or when church rummage sales are having their fill a bag sale. And I'm like, okay, I'll test this out. I've never sold it before, but it's cheap enough. Um, so I really like doing that where you know, with reselling, it is possible to try out a bunch of different things all at the same time, all pretty cheap and figure out what's going to work. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that I really do is, you know, I really enjoy TikTok and Instagram and seeing what people are wearing, what's really trendy, um, following influencers and seeing what they're posting and, you know, you can kind of get an idea of certain things that are going to sell quickly because they're so trendy. Um, So one thing right now, this is very random bachelorette parties in Nashville. They're having a moment. I've seen so many there. (laughs) Um, And, you know, they usually like theme their outfits for each night so that the whole group matches. I've seen multiple people do cow print is their theme. Everyone has to wear Mm -hmm. cow print. And so I was at the bin and I found these cow print jeans. There's no brand. Um, But I was like, some girl going to a bachelorette party is going to look on Poshmark and Mm. she's going to search cow print pants. And that's when my listing will show up. Um, I have actually not listed those pants yet. They're at the top of my death pile. But if anyone's looking, let me know. (laughs) So you kind of have to keep your eye out on just everything, social media, anything people are posting. Um, people that you see in the streets in Iowa here, like there's so much Patagonia that I see people wearing because mm. it's really cold in the winter and right. you know, it's known for being high quality. So you can also kind of get an idea for brands that are really good that way. Um, whenever I go in like airports, I love checking out what people are wearing just because it's so many different people from different places all in one spot yeah. and seeing, you know, what, other people are buying in places that are not Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, man, that's super smart. It's funny because like being a thrifter, um, I don't really go to the mall that often, but this weekend, this past weekend we had family in town. So we took them to the mall and like, it was just like, it's, it's always eye opening to me because I see things that I would never otherwise see just kind of, you know, going to thrift stores, going to work. It's just kind of getting out of your element a little bit. And I think that is such a good idea. It's just like, look at what people are wearing. The bachelorette uh, party thing is really smart too. Like here in Fort Worth, where I live, we have um, the stockyards and it's kind of like a mini uh, Broadway on Nashville. And we were out Mm -hmm. there 
this past weekend with our family and we saw like all the bachelorette parties like coming down uh-huh. the hill and we were like, oh, that's, that's crazy. Like, that's a thing. But yeah, like you said, just kind of keeping your eyes open, keeping a gauge on the culture of what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. And I think anyone could start picking up newer stuff or older stuff or maybe different stuff than they're used to, different genre than they're used to buying just by kind of trying to pay attention to what other people are wearing and go from there. And like you said, it's a super uh, low risk. <laughs> There's, It's yeah. not like it's super low investment. And that's kind of what I love about thrifting and reselling is like you don't have to have a lot of money in your pocket to get started, um, mm-hmm. to get inventory, to start making more money that then can be reinvested back in. So that's all just really great advice. And you also mentioned uh, TikTok. And I think your social media is unique to me because I think you have this sort of like radical transparency. Like you've talked about asking your boss for a raise. You've talked about going on bad Tinder dates. You've talked about even losing your job. And so I'm just curious to hear from you what kind of led to that decision and um have you noticed like a change since you've kind of started posting that way yeah so i think back to so i finished my master's degree in business about a year ago and in class we read this thing that people like buying from companies that are really transparent because then they feel that they can trust them Hmm. and they want to buy from companies that they trust And I don't know if this was subconsciously or if I like actually like thought about this, but I kind of started doing that. And, you know, people feel like they can trust me and then they want to buy from me. Right. And my page is not like super salesy. Like I don't want to like push all the time, but if I post like, here's my haul, then, you know, people are like, oh, I want to buy that. Um, Name your price. And so I think it's like grown over time, but I think back to maybe like a year and a half ago, I was getting ready for a Tinder date. And I think I posted on my story like, oh, going on a first date tonight, just looked up the menu for the restaurant to decide what I wanted. Uh And I would get all of these messages and people were like, oh my gosh, I do that too. But the messages would also be like, oh, tell us how the date went. Like post when you get home so we know you're still (laughs) alive. Or like, oh, I met my husband on Tinder. So it just led to like all of these people messaging me. And I was like, Oh, people actually enjoy this. Even though it's not like specifically reselling advice, like it's entertaining to them. Mm -hmm. And I've posted so much now that they're not just interested in reselling tips, but people are also interested in my life and me as a person. Um, So I think it like kind of grew over time, but I think at this point being transparent has really helped me grow a community Mm -hmm. and when I got laid off like I really want to like make a point of not just sharing like all of the best days of my life because my life's not perfect and I think people appreciate like also seeing like the reality so when I posted about getting laid off I actually got like a lot of messages of like oh my company's hiring or like what are you looking for and it was actually another reseller who like helped me land my current job after that Um, So it was kind of like this crossover of like my full time and my side hustle, you know, working together, which was kind of cool. But I think that like initially I wasn't really doing that when I started my Instagram page, but I definitely think over time it really helped me grow. 
Um, because then, you know, people are sharing my page and they're like, oh my gosh, Amber is so funny or Amber is mm. talking about her dating stories right now. Go follow her. And so I think that that's really helped set me apart from other resellers on Instagram and kind of establish a niche of like, oh yes, you'll get some reselling content, but you'll also get like my day-to-day whatever and my dating stories. <laughs> and I think people, you know, appreciate seeing different people on their feeds. No, that's so good. Cause like the ins and outs of reselling, especially in the vintage community, it's just like so much about tags and stitching and like it just gets really heady and really like for the average person even for the average like reseller like it just gets really in the weeds and really technical and so I think people appreciate like a lifestyle account (laughs) like they appreciate just like seeing what you're up to seeing the face behind your brand and I've said Mm -hmm. it before on this podcast but like if you aren't like showing your face on your account like you can't really expect it to go anywhere because then someone's just following a feed of clothes or wares or whatever it is that you're, you're selling. And, um, so I think that's a big deal. Like show, showing who you are, showing your personality, like you said, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever you're going through, kind of just being transparent. And I think people will latch on to that. It's cool how there is a community there, you know, on Instagram, on TikTok, whatever it is, we had winter before this past winter we had the big like freeze in texas (laughs) we lost power we lost heat and we had a newborn baby and we were like freaking out so of course like we just posted it on our instagram story and then it was like immediately like all these local people that we didn't even know they were local were just like hey i've got a place i've got a room you're good we ended up finding somebody another way but like immediately it was just the outpouring of support. That was kind of an aha moment for my wife and I, because we were like, oh, there's there's like a community here of people that Mm -hmm. care about us and want us to be okay, you know? And it's easy to kind of get caught up in the details of it, you know, without realizing that there's people there. Right. And I've had people DM me before. They're like, oh, if you're ever in my town, like, let me know. I'd love to take you out to coffee and like tell you where the good thrift stores are. Uh, yeah. And you know, sometimes my initial thought is like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like, I don't know this person, but to them, people have said like, oh, I feel like I know you yeah. because I post so much and they like, they understand my personality because I'm so open. And so to them, they're like, oh, Amber's my friend. And I'm like, <laughs> take a step back. I'm like, that's kind of cool. But I think there is also like a fine line there. Like there's certain things that I don't post. Like I got a new job and I was like, I don't want to like post the name of my new company. I don't want them to like yeah. find this somehow. Or like I got in a car accident and then I got a new car and people were like, what kind of car did you get? And I was like, I don't know. I feel weird like posting about <laughs> what kind of car I drive. I know some people don't, but yeah, I'm always like hesitant to post too much about my dates i like try to keep everything very anonymous about them um yeah and try to post more about like my feelings and not like who they are as a person yeah it makes sense i mean even the small following that i've garnered like we have a lot of events uh for vintage here in texas and people will just come up to me and start talking to me like we're best buddies and I'm like, hold on, who are you? (laughs) And it's like that weird, like, I guess it's like a parasocial relationship. And I I get it because I'm that way with other people sometimes too, where I feel like Mm -hmm. I followed you for a year now, 
you've posted all this stuff about your life. We've talked in the DMs. So like, I know you, but then the, the matching the face with the name might not, you know, come right. right away. So that's definitely a good like word of caution there. So kind of talking about all this, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't bring up your viral moment. <laughs> so you had this TikTok that kind of went viral and you ended up in all these different media outlets. I think Inside Edition was kind of like the culmination where it was actually on TV. Amber Smith had never been asked out to a Target before, but she had a good feeling about the cute guy who she met on a dating app. Just, I know you're probably tired of reliving it, but just kind of like tell the listeners like what happened and where it went. Yeah, so this was in April, I believe. I was on Hinge and this guy was like, you know, this might be weird, but like, what if we go to Target for our first date? (laughs) And I was like, you know, this will either be good or it'll be a good story. And it turned into a good story. So I'm in my date before the car in the parking lot. And I'm like, I'm just going to make a quick TikTok about this because it is kind of weird. It's kind of funny, different. And the TikTok was just seven seconds of, oh, this guy wanted to go on a first date. And here's the place that he picked. And then I panned to the Target sign. And then, you know, I, I posted, I go inside, we have the date. And the date is fine. But I get home and it has like 2,000 views. So kind of a lot for only like a short amount of time and people are like well give us an update like what did you do how was it and it just like led to all of these questions of people being like that's so weird like did it work are you going to go on a second date (laughs) and so it just took off and then I was getting these dms of hey I'm a reporter from the New York Post I want to interview you or, oh, I'm the local radio station <laughs> here. We want to interview you. Wow. And so ABC News, they interviewed me and I was on TV for that. And then Inside Edition interviewed me and this guy. And so it was kind of crazy, but I would like call up my family. I'd be like, hey, grandpa, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to be on TV. <laughs> and then long story short, that guy and I, we went on a second date. I thought it went really well. He was like, you're my number one. I deleted Hinge. And the next day he texted me. He's like, you know, I don't think I can become emotionally involved. I think we should just be friends. Uh. And I was like, what happened overnight? But then I had to go to family events this summer and they'd be like, oh, there's the TikTok star. (laughs) (laughs) They'd like ask for an update and I'd be like, well, I am still single. And like, I did not want to go on a third date. But, you know, I thought I'd be on TV. I had a good time. I really enjoyed it. But the thing was, I would post updates on my Instagram story. And I didn't know this, but he was watching them. So he was seeing like me being very open and transparent about everything. And looking back, I'm kind of like, did that scare him off? Like, (laughs) was I too open and too much of myself that he was like, no, I can't do this? Now I like don't tell my dates about this Instagram account yeah. usually for a little while so I can post about how the date went and they won't <laughs> see it. But yeah, I think that kind of like scared me a bit and like, oh, I should not tell guys that I like do this or they're going to think I'm really weird. <laughs> so, you know, that's where I also have to like draw that fine line. of yeah. like, Should I post this or should I not? Yeah, just kind of transitioning a little bit. I'm a big fan of your YouTube channel. Um, I think my favorite video is the thrifting that you did in Antigua, Guatemala. Um, 
I went to Guatemala in high school and actually like stayed right near Antigua and I had no idea that that was there. So that was like really cool to see. It seems like travel is like really important to you. So I was just curious, like what's the coolest place that you've traveled to? Ooh, so I really liked Guatemala. I hiked a volcano while I was there and I got to do thrifting. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> a little bit of everything. But so when I was in college, I did a semester in Thailand. And while I was there, I spent 10 days solo traveling between Malaysia and Singapore. And I love both of those places. I kind of got to wrap them together. For me, it was just like, it was a new experience, like traveling alone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, aren't you worried as like a young woman? Right. But like both of those countries were very safe. Like a lot of people spoke English. And I actually bought a fake engagement ring to wear while I was like alone. So people would think (laughs) like, oh, she has a fiance. That's funny. But it was incredible. I went bungee jumping when I was in Singapore. And the thing that was really nice about solo traveling is that I never had to compromise with anyone else about what we should do or where we should eat. Like if I was tired, I could go take a nap and no one cared. And if I was hungry and there was a Chili's, I could go eat at Chili's because I love Chili's. And I was like, yes, I'm in a foreign country and like I should try their food, but also I love Chili's. And so I'm going to get Chili's. (laughs) You know, it was just like really eye-opening because it was something I had never done before. And I felt very empowered that I was like doing it alone. So I think I just have like a lot of good memories associated with both of those places. So I would definitely go back to either of those. And Thinking about it, I'll probably go back to Guatemala next year and it'll be a business trip. So yeah. like, why not? I'll go thrifting some right more. <laughs> yeah. So you're also very open about your goals. And I know that one of your big goals is to retire early. I'm curious though, what are your goals for your business? Last year I had this really big goal to do 40000 in sales. Um, and I hit that with three days to spare. Like it took a lot. Wow. And so going into this year, I was like, I I don't know where to go from there. So I think I'll end up doing a little less just because I was like, okay, I want to take some time off to travel and not worry about like, oh, I'm not listing. I'm not shipping right now. Mm-hmm. So it looks like I'll end up doing less than that. But I focused this year on hopefully growing my YouTube to monetize that by the end of the year. And then I recently monetized Instagram reels. So kind of focusing more on the social media side and creating other streams of income. But long term, right now, I'm really focused on I don't want to burn myself out where reselling becomes something that I did for a few years. And I just like ran myself to the ground with it. Right. Because it is fun. I do enjoy it. Um, I'll go sourcing with my parents. And like, we'll spend time together or, you know, with other resellers. So I want to keep it fun overall so that I do enjoy doing it. And right now it is really a means to save some more money and put more towards retirement so that I someday don't have to work that full-time job. But I could see myself continuing this in some sort of, you know, part-time, less crazy version of it yeah um where it is just for fun because i do really appreciate like the thrill of finding something really good and then sharing that with other people of oh my gosh look look at this patagonia i found it's so cool and you know learning from other people and you know teaching them what to look out for i do enjoy that part of it 
So I think that's kind of like the long-term goal to keep it fun, but profitable. Awesome. So these are kind of the rapid fire questions that I ask at the end of every podcast that I do to kind of try to figure out more of who you are as a reseller. So what is your favorite item that you've ever sold? I sold a rare Disney spirit jersey that was Peter Pan themed. Um, I bought it for just under $4 and sold it for $275 on Mercari within a week. So it was a fast flip and a big flip. That always feels good to have have a nice flip like that. What's your current ISO? What are you looking for right now? Just today, I found this new bolo. There is a Levi's Disney collab where they have those Sherpa lined jean jackets and it's printed with Mickey all over it. And I was looking at comps for something else, but it showed up and someone sold a double XL for $599 on eBay. Wow. And I was like, that's crazy. I got to find one. Yeah, (laughs) that's insane. Um, What is your biggest pet peeve? And this can be related to reselling or just life in general. In terms of reselling, I really hate when Poshmark makes a change and then all of the Poshmark sellers blame the slow sales on that and only that. (laughs) Uh, Because I'm very much like you got to control what you can control. And if that's like going to a different platform, then like do that. Like I'm a big proponent of cross-listing. So that's definitely a pet peeve of mine. And I have like unfollowed people before when I'm like, this is all that you post about. Like it's so much negativity. Right. Well, that's like a good lesson too, just to kind of camp out on that one point. I feel like if you're just posting like negative stuff, complaining about platforms all the time, like people aren't going to really vibe with it. I feel like people want some positivity. So it's like, maybe leave that to your own head and kind of uh, just keep hustling. Like you said, try other platforms. Mm -hmm. There's always some kind of excuse that you can find. But at the end of the day, all that's going to get you more sales is more more listing, you know? Yeah. So that's that's really good. What is something that most people don't know about you? I don't know. I was a big nerd in high school. Like I was in marching band and show choir and speech and debate, which like looking back like speech, I think that probably like helped me out in this because I can talk on like YouTube videos, whatever. And I'm like casual and can keep it going. I'm not like nervous in front of people. I know some people are like, I never want to talk on my stories because I do not want people to hear me. And I'm like, oh, it's (laughs) fine. So yeah, I'm kind of like a, I was a big nerd in high school and I don't think people would know that like following (laughs) my reselling page. That's funny. Yeah. I was, I was a band nerd too. So represent, (laughs) (laughs) how can people connect with you online? Give out your socials, whatever you've got. Yeah. So right now I do the most posting on Instagram at arbitrage with Amber underscores between the words. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have that same handle on TikTok. I don't post on that TikTok page as much. I have a personal TikTok, Amber Waves of Brain, where that's where I went viral. That's where I post some other dating content. And then I have a YouTube, also Arbitrage with Amber. I'm getting close to enough followers to get monetized. And then I got to focus on watch hours. So nice. Nice. Play some videos if you're feeling generous, anyone. <laughs> and then I also have a blog that I've done a little bit of posting on. You can find the links to all of these in my Instagram bio. That's kind of where everything lives right now. 
Cool. Yeah, if you're listening, definitely check her out. Like I said, I've been following you for a little bit and I'm a big fan of your content. I think your YouTube stuff is all really helpful. You've got good thrift hauls on YouTube as well. So yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan of the content that's trying to help other people and kind of <laughs> um, yeah. educate. And that's kind of why I do this podcast. So um, <laughs> do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom? Just keep posting, be in your most authentic self online, list a bunch of stuff, make some money, get that bread. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Amber. It's been truly a privilege to talk to you. Um, like I said, big fan over here. So uh, y'all go follow her. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing uh, some of your story. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Amber. As always, please subscribe wherever you're listening. If that's YouTube, drop a comment to let us know what you thought. And if it's Apple, you can write us a short review. If you know someone building something special related to secondhand or vintage, who you think would make a good guest for the show, let me know. I'm at Slater Thrifts or at Canned Heat Pod on IG. While you're there, be sure to give us a follow to keep up with everything we're doing. Well, that's all for now. Don't forget to wash cold and hang dry.